In the Quran, Allah Ta'ala has used two terms. One is Sidq and one is Kizb. And these are two terms that are used in opposition to each other. In absolute opposition, not just contrast or stark contrast, absolute opposition to each other. And this is something Allah Ta'ala has employed in many places in Quran. Haq and Batil. Sidq and Kizb, and obviously, ultimately, Iman and Kufr. Now, tonight I want to talk about these concepts of Sidq and Kizb, and how a lot of Tazkiyah is related precisely to these two terms. And there's no real single English word that can capture Sidq. It's not just truth. Sidq means to be true, to be honest, to be pure, to be sincere to be wholesome, any and every aspect that you can think of comes in the word Sidq. And Kizb doesn't just mean lie or false. It's that, but it's lie, falsehood, fabrication, deception, delusion, anything and everything that is even slightly removed from Sidq falls into Kizb. And then interestingly, in Qur'an, in Arabic language, but also Allah Subhanahu used these next words in Qur'an, is something called tasdeeq and takzeeb. Tasdeeq and takzeeb. So tasdeeq means to verify, to affirm, to declare is true, find is true, believe in true, adopt is true. And takzeeb means to declare is false. Now, one of the ways Allah Subhanahu describes that activity and that concept and that understanding and that practice that leads to kufr is takzeeb. So some people did it takzeeb, they denied the existence of Allah They treated the falsehood and fabricated the lie that Allah doesn't exist in takzeeb of Allah Some did it takzeeb of Quran. Some did takzeeb of Nabi Akrim, some And this ayah famously repeated many times in Surah Rahman, فَبَأَيَّ تَكَذِّبَانِ is from the verbal root word تَكْذِيب and here Allah is talking about denying even Allah's blessing. That's also a type of denial. Or I think it's also a type of being false and fake and untrue. And one way that Iman is referred to is Tasdik that when you have Iman and Allah you're doing tasdeeq, when you have Iman and Nabi Akreem, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that's tasdeeq, alright? And that's why Allah Ta'ala puts on the emphasis of the sadiqeen and sadiqeen and the summa, because they do tasdeeq. Now, a lot of tasdeeq is then going to be about trying to eliminate any and everything in us that is false that is fake, that is untrue, that is incorrect, that is an error. And to do the speak 
everything that is pure and true and wholesome, the entire Quran, Summa, and Sharia. And this is a constant thing. But unfortunately, what happens is it's a problem that we have. A lot of us, and now again, I'm talking about conceptually. One is obviously the practice. Okay, we have to leave all sins and do good deeds. And that's a large part of this care. But many times, and Allah sometimes puts a person in a situation in their life that is going to be tested in terms of the conceptual understanding. Are they going to do this deed of that which is true? Are they going to affirm and verify the truth to be indeed true? And will they be willing to understand that that which is false is indeed false and will they deem it to be false? And this is a test of the false object in our deen. Now, uh, Another very interesting thing is, you know, we're living in a time and age where this is like flipped. There's so many people, so many teachings, so many forces out there that are actually trying to declare falsehood of truth. Things that are false are held by people to be true. Things that are mistakes are held by people to be correct. So there's a lot of this deep of good out there. And similarly, the other way around, there's a lot of teachings, a lot of practices, a lot of ideologies, a lot of concepts, a lot of forces out there that are trying to declare that which is true to be true, like leave of that which is said. So people trying to falsify Islam, people trying to malign Sayyidina Rasulullah, he's someone and in some sense, I mean, this is really what you have in secularism. Secularism is a technique of civic. Secularism is advocating a faithlessness that is trying to belie uh, the reality of Iman and the reality of Muslim Now, in our own lives, uh, many times we can be faced with this choice and we can be confronted with a situation in which we're looking at truth and falsehood. And I want to be very clear about this, and what people say sometimes, this is the phase of clay. There's no shade of clay that you could do. That, Allah Ta'ala said, actually rather, Allah Ta'ala had the focus on saying, see, that there's shades of clay between halal and haram. So the Nabiya Kareem, Sinna Dalkin said, Al-halal ubayin, Al-haram ubayin, ubaynuhuma umurun mushtabiha. That that which is halal is clear. That which is haram is clear and manifest. And between the two, there are matters that are murky. In other words, mushtabihat means that there are matters that resemble both. That have the semblance of being halal, but perhaps not being so. Or have the semblance of being haram, whereas not, not being so. So there's an acknowledgement of the quote-unquote gray area. Right? When it comes to civic and cube, there may be, from our perspective, things that appear to us to be murky, but in reality, every single concept, every teaching, every practice, every act is either an act of stick or an act of gift. Either you're true or you're untrue, right? And that level of absoluteness is when you're talking about deed, right? I'm not talking about dunya. There may be many things in dunya that we share a mix between truth and falsehood. When you're talking about deed. Either something is truly deen, either something is true indeed. If not, it's false. It's false. Now, the interesting, now the good thing here is that civic and kids both 
are like an entire ocean. And the journey towards that ocean begins with the drop. Now, again, this can work for us and work against us. If it gives, it works against us. So what happens then is when a person does something, and again, I'm talking about deeds. So if a person does something or believes in something or has a concept that is untrue in being, so it starts as if a drop of gives. But that, the second you begin with that drop, then there's like a gravitational force, there's like an attraction to suck you into the entire ocean of gift. And every time you have a drop of gift, doing that with the fit becomes more difficult. So now let me illustrate this to an example. If there's somebody who commits a sin, so a sin is an act of falsehood and being that it gives, they will say that now it's hard for you to pray. Immediately the next prayer became harder to do. Why? Because you added an element of given of untrueness, of falsehood. Therefore, that which is truth is also going to be now a little bit out of your reach. It's going to be harder for you to come to truth. It's going to be harder for you to come to the truth. All right? But, like I said, it can work for you. But the same thing works when you adopt kids. So when you do a single act of sin, when you do a drop of sin, the whole ocean of sin opens up to you, right? And then, when you do an act that is true in being, then the sin becomes harder, becomes out of reach, further out of reach, right? But these concepts, because each each of the two is pure intensity, is pure absolute. That any time a person is endangered, that's why Sahab Ikram and the Salaf and the pious early Muftakeen, Samadim, Ulama, Uliya, the Ummah, they were never content until they passed away. Because they knew that any moment, at any time, we could take a turn for the worst. And Sayyidina told us certain things about the time which is nearing end of time. And this is known as And many ulama fear that we have entered that stage, that we have not entered the time of proximity to the end of time. Now we may remain in this state of proximity for another thousand years. Allah knows best when the end will actually come. And the reason that they feel, and I also am of this feeling, that we've entered the age of proximity to the end of time is because the signs that Nabi Yaqeen from the Nalgas have mentioned about this period of time, a lot of them are manifest. A lot of them, you know, can be found. And one of the signs, if some of you might remember, uh, is that uh, one of the signs is that a person will wake up in the morning as a believer, but when they go to sleep at night, they will be an unbeliever. Or on the flip side, a person will wake up in the morning as an unbeliever, and when they go to sleep at night, they will sleep as a believer. Now, this hadith has two understandings. One is literal, right? And the literal meaning is definitely there. But the Mohammedan understood also a more general understanding from this hadith, that towards the end of time, very sudden events will take place. Seven changes will take place. 
for an earlier time, change took place over years, right? And we find that with people today in both ways. Sometimes people very suddenly, very quickly come closer to being. And sometimes people very suddenly and very quickly fall from their being. And then one of the times of proximity, one of the signs of the age of proximity at the end of time. But another thing uh, that is that there will come a time in my ummah that if people even do 10% of what you, you know, the sabikram, the Allah ta'ala, other men are doing, they will get pain. Now, all of the ulama understand it's not referring to that right? But then you can pray once every two days and the same as if you prayed five times a day. It's talking about the extra thing. Now, this gives us great hope. For example, if you do 10% of the zikr today, the people in past times did, you will get the same thing that they got. If you pray 10% the amount of tajit, so let's say before people prayed it for two hours, one twenty minutes, you prayed for 12 minutes, you look at the same thing that they got. Let's say you recite one tenth of the day, and you know, most of the work people used to recite five days a day, ten days a day easily. And today you recite 10%, many half a day, one day a day, you look at the same thing that they got. There are people who must used to recite thousands of salawat every day. You do 10% of that in this day and age, any hundred or few hundred, you look at the same thing that they got. So, alhamdulillah, there's a lot of benefit to that effect. All right? But when it comes to the concept of Sid, Sid doesn't fall into the Hadith. It's not that if you're 10% true. No. The person still has to be absolutely 100% true. All right? And so a lot of the teaching of Sethia is to try to remove the untrue and any and every aspect that's given in our heart and try to adopt all the Sid and all the paths of truth. Right? Now, what happens to us sometimes is we can sometimes become emotionally attached to some type of kid, or we might end up with a personality that is unkid. And then the Korean Sammanasan explained that a person who tells a lie, and he continues telling a lie repeatedly, then in the reach of time, that it reaches a point uh, that Allah SWT writes their name as Kazdab. And because they're saying so many lies that now they've just become a person of falsehood. And what would be, what would happen to a person like that? What happens then is that they just keep speaking lies. And then everything they say starts becoming full of lies. Right? And the strange thing and the very, very Allah will protect everybody from this, is the interest of the state of delusion that they're on kids, but they think they're on sit, and this is the most dangerous thing, to be on falsehood while thinking you are actually on truth. By certainly being on falsehood, yet having the certainty uh, that you're on truth. All right? Uh, and this is perhaps the most dangerous outcome and dangerous situation a person could find himself in. But going back to it from the beginning, it begins with a drop. And that's why in our deen, what we call sharia and compliance issues, is always supreme. You know, I'll give you an example that if there's a person 
who for 70 years of their life, they lived a true life, a wonderful life. They were a wonderful person, a wonderful father, a wonderful grandfather, a wonderful husband, wonderful son, wonderful boss, wonderful everything. And then for X, Y, Z reason, or maybe for no reason, they murder someone at the age of 70. But when they do that, uh, you know, in the court of law, the court will say, well, the law is supreme. And if you try to bring to the court's attention, well, no, but before they were good, and they spent so many years being so wonderful, the court will say, well, look, we don't deny any of that. Uh, but it doesn't matter because the law is supreme. Uh, and whatever the punishment is for murder in this particular case, in this particular manner, the law has to be enacted irrespective of whatever may have happened in the past. Now, if this is true for, you know, worldly law, and you can imagine how true it is for secular law, or how true is it for Sharia law, for sacred law, a mistake that uh, a lot of people may uh, is, you know, we have to understand that Toba is something that is between a person and Allah Subhanahu and Toba is something that the door remains open until a person passes away. And when a person successfully makes Toba, uh, and the public can forgive them for their sin, but then, after making that Toba and getting forgiveness, they must once again adopt the path of Duke. And then all that effort has to start again. Always remember that when we sin, and if we ask for God's forgiveness and we make Toba and truly make Toba, which means not only do we not, not only do we leave that sin entirely, but we also make amends and rectify all the matters that were uh, spoiled because of that sin. And we fulfill all the hukukulibab that we might have violated and broken because of that sin. And even if we do all of that, if Allah accepts our Toba, means that then the sin is wiped away. But now to get back in the ranks of Salahim and Mithikin, we have to go back to the path of Tidk. And we have to again start with that job and keep building that up and try to get into that ocean. Alright? Now, because we live uh, in an age and time where there's so many things that are trying to connect us to falsehood, so many things that are trying to make us forget our sin. And you know, this is I say now the Booker because he had the most first deek in his heart. He was the one whose heart most deeply and truly affirmed uh, from Sahabikram the number one affirmation and critique of Allah So that brings us then now to that this deek can lead to sit. What does it mean? But okay, I may not always be able to do everything that's true. But at least if in my heart I truly, I fully, absolutely view it to be true, hold it to be true, as long as I can speak of the truth, then there's always hope that Allah Ta'ala, out of His mercy and hidayah, will guide me and give me profit to come on the truth. Besides that, okay, I might not be able to stay away from every sin, alright? As long as I do believe of that, as long as I regard it to be given, as long as I declare it to be false in my heart, 
then there's a hope that Allah Ta'ala will take me out of that. But the day I start thinking that no, it's not a sin, I stop viewing it as false, I stop viewing it as wrong, then the chances that I will come out of it are very little. I won't say zero, because Allah Ta'ala out of His rahmah, out of His mercy, can change anyone, can flip a person, are absolutely, uh, from absolute falsehood to absolute truth. But the chance becomes very slim. The chance becomes very slim. And similar to something that's true in being, and I don't hold it to be true, the chance of me ever getting fulfilled, ever being graced by Allah Ta'ala to actually do amal on it, is very slim. Very slim. The one aspect of Tazkiyah then is to increase our heart feeling of Tazdeeq and Tazdeeq for those things that are indeed true in our deed and false in our deed. And that's what happens in the system of Tazkiyah and Tazdeeq. And that's why people go to Mishai, to their Biyam, their Muntis, their speech, their gathering, because what happens to them in that relationship and in that company and that learning is that things that Obviously, they knew were true, and they accepted as true, and they had imam in our deen, and the deen says this is true, their heart starts feeling more that these things are true, right? So, for example, you know, if you keep company of truly rightly guided Tatin, Oliya, Tamheen, Mashaykh, Pious, Ulama, and they give you a talk about something. So, you know, you might say, I knew all of this in the sense that I knew this was what became an understanding of Venus. But because I sat in the company or presence or talk of that person, now I feel it more. I feel more passionately about it. I always knew in a level of Akira theologically it to be true. But now I feel it to be true. Now I know it to be true and now I want to experience it's true. Alright? That's the one benefit of being connected to a system of structure. In fact, the same thing happens when it comes to falsehood. Right? But okay, yes, of course, I, I, I even before I got to this person or listened to this talk or attend this gathering, I knew whatever XYZ was a sin. But now, after hearing what I've heard, it's increased my feeling that that sin is truly sinful. It's increased my feeling that that sin is false. Now, because it's increased my feeling of repugnant taraha towards that act. And the more taraha, the more dislike and anathema you have towards that sin, the more you'll be able to stay away from it. And the more attraction and desire and yearning and longing you have to do, the more you'll be able to adopt it. Alright? However, it's not enough just to be part of that gathering and system of the in a relationship with Sheikh because that system and relationship gets a person the feeling that then as an individual the person must individually translate their feeling to action. And that can't be done in the gathering. No doubt we may in a gathering the group or shared group doesn't count that stuff. The count obviously is about that. Personal get reward. The name of the game is can you follow up and follow through individually and that will be determined when you're alone. When you're alone. Will you now practice upon this feeling of yours? And if you don't practice on this feeling that you may have acquired through studying the um, fear class, learning heavy, 
reading Sirah, Bayan, Majlis, Sheikh, However you got that feeling, if you don't yourself individually do Amal on it, then the feeling will stay. And obviously, if you couldn't do Amal on it when the feeling hadn't faded and it was at its full intensity, the likelihood of you being able to do Amal on it once it is faded almost non-existent. All right? It's very important as we remember the role of our individual Amal. Similarly, even if a person may have spent a lifetime in the right feelings, if they do an amal of guilt, if they actually do a wrong act, then that wrong act can start to take away the feeling. Alright? And all of this is said only to make us more scared of falsehood, more scared of sin. And I think a lot of times we don't realize and because obviously, you know, we're, all of us are just average believers. And so we're a mix. We're a mix of good and a mix of bad. We're a mix of truth and a mix of falsehood. In reality, and so for example, you think of Akhara, there's no Akhara like that. There's either Jannah, pure sin, or there's Jannah, right? There's no middle ground. There's no mixed place. And in fact, in Quran, that's one of the ways that I'll even describe Jannah. But you won't hear any falsehood there. You won't even hear any love. You won't even hear any idle talk there. Because it's a place of truth. It's a gathering of truth. It's the attainment of pure fit. And deen is revealed by Allah subhanahu to us in this world so that we could aspire to and acquire fit in this world. And we struggle and struggle and struggle against all even and falsehood in us and around us. And we try to acquire every truth in us and it around us. And ultimately then after living a lifetime of that struggle, that struggle, the striving struggle, and then ultimately then, inshallah, Allah will grant us an eternity of peace. We make dua that Allah subhanahu wa and enable each one, every one of our hearts to be able to identify Sid, to acknowledge it, to yearn for it, to feel for it, to adopt it, to practice it, to implement it, to share it, to spread it. All of that. May Allah protect us from ever being attracted to that which is untrue, let alone even, let alone ever perpetuate, uh, let alone ever commit or perpetuate that which is given and that which is false. And so these are two terms that Allah found in the Quran. So sometimes when a person is on this path and turns to this, yeah, from time to time they also need to pause and you know, reconsider their understanding and make sure uh, that they're on the path of sin and to safeguard themselves and sometimes even that additional safeguards and precautions that they never ever forgive. Now, God accept this from all of us, but He makes it easy for us. Rahul and Dawana, and Alhamdulillah, He's a big God.